All right, here we go. We ready? I guess. Welcome to M Vibes Podcast. Home of good music, good libations, and good vibes. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to M Vibes Podcast. Here at Tommy's Pub, like we are every week. Uh, let's start out with uh, what we're drinking, guys. Well, first of all, are you Matthew McConaughey or are you <laughs> What Eric? was that about? I think we're all, all so right, very goofy. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm driving to Buick. That's what I like about Tommy's Pub. I don't worry to you. The right. older I get. <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start uh, drinking something different today, guys. A... Uh, uh, Captain and Coke. Mmm, so good. All right, so uh, I'm, Amanda, I'm Amanda here. Uh, I am drinking Valencia by uh, Noda Brewing. It says citrus ale. Doesn't quite tell me a lot about the style, but it drinks very similar to a pale ale. A lot of tropical citrus fruit flavors going on there. It says um, citrus hops. Citrus Zing, a Valencia orange peel yep. for light, refreshing brew that leaves you with a clean, zesty mouthfeel. Mm. Good good beer for spring weather, for sure. Something new, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't had this one yet, yeah. so. Yeah, I, I'm actually having the same. It's not new to Noda, but I guess I've never seen it here before. But, yeah, it's, it is a pale ale. Um, yeah. Okay. And yeah, Valencia oranges are, are really um, good. So I'm, I'm drinking the same thing. Ernest? <laughs> I'm doing the Pilot Brewing Schwartz beer. May the Schwartz be with you. Yeah, the Court Shoes only night session uh, that was done this year for um, uh, Queen City Brewers Fest for the last couple of years have done a collaboration across the city uh, for Acing Autism instead of their regular beer festival. And Court Shoes only this year was a dark beer. You could do any dark beer. And Pilot did a Schwartz beer, a light-bodied black German-style lager with smooth malt flavors, slightly roasted character, and moderate hop bitterness. And it's excellent. Yeah, I've had it. It's delicious. It you is know, delicious. I got the uh, protagonist Court Shoes only 14% one for my wife, and she... Oh, Wow. <laughs> was that an imperial stout? Oh, yes. that, that was a collaboration between Protagonist Town and Devil's Logic. Right. And you pretty much had to use a fork on that beer. It, it was thick. She drank most of it, and then she's like, all right, I'm going to the house. And uh, I was like, you know what? She's going to go pour that right down the sink. I know she is. <laughs> <laughs> At least she doesn't hurt your feelings in front of your face. That's okay. That's all right. Anyways, uh, this past weekend, uh, well, last Friday night, we all went to a show at the uh, Milestone. Say it, Eric. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because uh, Hannah can't say it either. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things. Sometimes you just have those those words that are in your brain that want to say. release. Nope. That's close enough. Close enough. I think that's the best job you've done. Yeah. No, I said it right when we were off mic last weekend. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Once. Yeah. Like I once. Um, I'm a big buffoon. That's all right. All right. We also saw them in the uh, Scotch Bonnets. Got to hang out with them. Uh, bought a ton of merch. 
Oh yeah, we spent uh, really a lot cool, of money. Cool people, yeah, yeah. Actually, my friend David, who used to own the money down in Rocky, remember that club? The oh, money. Oh man, he was one of the <laughs> last last owners before I went out of business, and uh, he apparently had had them back in like fourteen, and uh, he was surprised that they were still around. Not surprised, yeah. but he was glad to see they were still around. It was a great show, though, man. Lots of energy. I mean, yeah. I danced the whole damn show. It so. was a great mm, show. Yeah, it, now, was, it was so much fun. We we really were like mm-hmm. cutting a rug. It is worth mentioning. It was so weird. The opening band, though, the, 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 metal the band? hardcore metal band. Yeah, yeah, they were they were good, but it's the, the vibe wasn't there. The, well, the, it wasn't the right bill for them. Right. You know, I I actually talked to them after the show. They wanted to book No Anger Control, but they couldn't remember the name of the band until I talked uh, to him about it after the show. He goes, that oh, he goes yeah, that's the band I was thinking well, of. Well, and No Anger Control is awesome, but I don't are. think that that would have been a good fit either. That punk and metal are very different. Yeah, I mean, I, I love both those genres, but I feel like maybe getting like, I don't know, Sibonac would have, mm-hmm. you know, would have yeah. been a better fit for that. They're definitely super hard for the vibe we kind of expected to see when we walked in. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's like no criticism to any of those bands at all because they're oh, all amazing. Yeah. Well, they, they said, well, they were playing that they asked them to come open for them. Because that's the type of music they like to listen to on the road. Ah, okay. So that's All why right. they booked it, man. Th- 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 yeah. Still, anyway, though. Whatever. I mean, yeah. for all It was us. a great show regardless. Yeah, that, yeah it was. Um, and then what, I went to see Hamilton. I don't know if that counts. Oh, yeah, it does. That, that counts. Was, that was like the whitest hip-hop ever. We <laughs> 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 really talked. Like, I was looking at him. No, that, like, would, that would be <clears throat> House of Pain. No, no. This is, no, no, no. House of Pain was ice the fucking Boys tea compared to this shit. This was like the most cliche white early 90s hip hop you could possibly imagine. Very talented, amazing, great. I mean, amazing. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, I think I, I understand why this is so successful among the demographic. It's successful. It's, yeah, it's it's kitten play, you know, type music. It's, yeah. it's weird. My sister keeps asking me to watch it because she knows... All those songs in it threw me as a, you know, when we were kids, I still haven't seen it or watched it, so I don't know what's in it yet, but it's someday I will. It's great. The subject matter, I have very little interest in, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure how it engaged or how it captures so many people, but yeah, sure, it's about the life mm-hmm. of Hamilton, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, to all the moms out there, I hope you all had a great Mother's Day. Oh, Yes. We had fun. Yeah. I spent, I had dinner with my mom. That was great. I cooked my wife three meals. One in uh, breakfast in bed. Uh, I'm sorry. Lunch, they got witch witch. I made myself a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> witch yeah. witch, if you're listening, um, we're available for the sponsorship. There you go, yeah. <laughs> and I do then, love uh, your hummus wrap. Ooh, that sounds good, actually. <laughs> I wish I could eat that. So and then uh, cooked her a pasta meal. Oh, that's dinner. nice. Nice. All gluten-free. Very good. Very good. All right. So what are we doing today? We mm. are talking about, I mean, it, it's kind of a one-hit wonder. Yeah. I think we initially started off as a one-hit wonder, even though I had never heard of this. This is what? Episode six? Yes. Yes. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Somewhere in there. We lost count at this point, it's, it, which <laughs> it is way matter. too early for that. Um but so we we were kind of shooting back and forth ideas for one hit wonder episodes, and one of the names that popped up on the list was Gene Vincent, and I was like, yes, very early on, one hit wonder. Yeah, but he is too 
interesting and influential to really reduce him to being one hit wonder status. Right. And a lot of people only know him for Bebopalula, but he has a very, very colorful past and a lot of, he really influenced a lot of musicians and was influenced by a lot of other musicians. And we'll, we'll deep dive yeah. all into that, but we, we should probably just play the song that was the, the quote unquote one hit wonder that he did was Bebopalula, the most famous track. Yeah. I'm sorry. I always thought that was Elvis. I, I'm I, sorry. You know, I've listened to a lot of that. I see the a, a lot look of his I music. get from her when I say that. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, but, but that's all that comes to mind. And then if you keep rich, if, if you keep listening to a lot of his catalog, a lot of other similar artists come to mind when he's playing. Um, yeah. um, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Little Richard. Like it's it's. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's generic because obviously it isn't, but it was very. It makes sense for the time. Well, we can talk a little bit about the history of rockabilly, so we kind of have a background on the, the, the genre of music that Gene Vincent was playing. So it primarily came out of the South, and it was recorded by a bunch of white dudes who were influenced by Delta Blues and gospel that were coming out of African-American artists in the South. So there's like a really famous story about Jerry Lee Lewis and Jimmy Swagger, because they were cousins, um, you know, the... The uh, televangelist that got into a lot of trouble, hmm. but right they, down the road, you know, good old Fort Mill. Oh no, no, that was uh, Jim Baker. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry, you're right. But yeah, around the same time period, mm-hmm. the two of them were both getting in a lot of trouble for a lot of things, um, mainly women and money. Um, but so Jerry Lee Lewis and uh, Jimmy Swagger and um, uh, I think it was Mickey Gilly was also a cousin of theirs. They would. Um, climb under the um, the floorboards of this Pentecostal black church in their hometown in Louisiana, and they would listen to the piano, and they would play like air piano on the dirt underneath the floorboards, and that's where Jerry Lee Lewis kind of got started on learning how to play piano. Oh, no cool. shit. Yeah, and and, you know, they, and then you had Sam Phillips come in with with Sun Records, and you, like those origin musicians of course Elvis Carl Perkins Johnny Cash mm-hmm. um Roy Orbison all those guys were kind of laying the baseline of what was the rockabilly genre which was um kind of introducing black music to white audiences so they were parading out these young good-looking white men to record these songs because Sam Phillips was originally recording black artists and couldn't make any money off of them and a lot of other mainstream record labels were trying to groom black artists to sound more white. But Sam Phillips wasn't doing that, but he was going broke. So he had to put pretty boys like Elvis, who was very talented, but also very handsome. So he could continue to support the record label. So that's kind of the, and it's like very known for that, the driving rhythm, the scorching guitar, the um, upright bass, that, that famous slap bass sound was what originally was distinctive of the sound. So um, Gene Vincent recorded, well, let's, let's play Bebopalula and then we'll go into a little bit more of the history of the backstory of Gene Vincent. Everybody's got to have something to fall back on. That's right. She's my favorite. 
this is the first time I've heard it that it didn't immediately invoke Elvis Presley. Now, I guess because of the short conversation we had about it, now it feels more like country. Well, you know, there was um, there was a um, Elvis's mother heard a Gene Vincent recording and thought it was Elvis. Oh, I'm not the only one. It would be a much younger Elvis, though, if it was him. Who wrote this song? Gene Vincent. He wrote it himself? He wrote it himself. And he was inspired by the uh, Little Lulu comics. Okay. Oh, my children, well, not the comics, but the cartoons, because the Dollar Tree had uh, a bunch of uh, uh, public domain uh, Little Lulu cartoons. Oh, really? You could just buy them at the dollar store. We was proud back then. So, I mean, yeah, definitely can hear like major, like skyrocketing stardom talent in this for sure. For sure. 100%. I mean, again, yeah, this is a blueprint almost not even. It's a carbon copy of what Elvis did later. I mean, you can even like see the hips and the shaking and all of that. I mean, it's fucking identical. We'll get into that that stage presence too. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, backstory of Gene Vincent. So he was born Vincent Eugene Craddock in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, his dad was in the Coast Guard. His uh, mom ran a general store that they also did um, tailors for sailors. Like they would repair their uniforms and sew on patches and that kind of thing. And so at a very young age, Gene Vincent knew he wanted to join the Navy. So he dropped out of school. Um, his mother signed for him to join the Navy under the age of 18. So that was that was what he wanted to do for a career. That He was going to be a lifer. Mm-hmm. And so he did his first tour. He did a deployment in Korea. He didn't see any kind of like actual battle, but he did do a full tour in, in Korea. And he re-upped. He was going to re-sign his contract. Um, and he... You know, to get his bonus, it's like six hundred something dollars, six hundred and forty bucks, something like that. He took that money and bought himself a Triumph motorcycle and went out, wilding out on this motorcycle. And the stories change depend on who you ask. Some people say that he says that he was hit by a woman in a car and it wasn't his fault. Other probably the truth is is what other people were saying. He was really drunk. And wrecked the thing himself. So it really, he did a lot of damage to his leg, which is what comes into the factor of his dance moves later. Um, well, it, another, sorry, another um, more contemporary biographies have read that um, some biographers claim that he'd suffer or he sustained that injury in combat, which is not true, but it's like actually printed out there. It, it, and that was there were some claims that were made by that, but I think that probably plays into maybe record executives. That's a kinda, much cooler story than getting hit by right trying to spin <laughs> it like saying I can't tell you how many sailors on motorcycles injured themselves because yeah. you know they just yeah yeah um so they were they wanted to amputate his leg and mm. he was like no please don't take my leg like I can't like 
again, maybe it was a vanity issue. I'm not sure. He thought if he got it amputated, he'd never be able to get back into the Navy or whatever. Um, So they didn't remove his leg when they should have. So he suffered um, for many, many years, a lot of pain, which he had to wear like this metal brace. So was he not medically discharged? Yeah, anyway? the, the injury got led to his discharge in '55. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah I was going to say whether right. they amputated or not. I don't, yeah, he, he could no longer he serve. Could function, which is yeah. why he shifted into a career in music. Yeah. Because he he loved music before that. He got like his first guitar. He was like twelve or thirteen years old, and taught himself to play. But so at that point, he was like, "Well, I got to do something else." So he started seriously pursuing a music career, which is why he wrote "Be Babalula." And he formed a band, um, which was Gene Vincent and the Blue Caps. And the Blue Caps was a reference back to the hats that they wore in the Navy. Oh, yeah. Um, so he was playing around the local um, Norfolk um, music scene and went to a show with um, one of the opening acts was young Elvis Presley. And he was blown away, just completely influenced and just just like this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So he definitely emulated Elvis. Um, and then Bebopalula charted, got, he got really famous. He did like a lot of toured around a lot. And then they did follow up hit was race with the devil. So oh, hold on. Before, Cause I did Cause I'm, I do like things that, that we both read. I mean, we all read the same things, right? Yeah. So I think they friends, different things stick to each of us as we read. But one of the coolest things that I read, or maybe not really coolest, one of the interesting things that I read, kind of when he was in that Norfolk area, um, he, uh, and this was like a year after his accident, right? So he obviously got super heavily into the scene because within one year, some local radio DJ, his name was Sheriff Tex Davis. Yes. Uh, yeah, heard him on a talent show and then went on to become like his manager and then he formed the, the Rockabilly Band uh, mm-hmm. uh, and named it. It was almost like a, uh, a Backstreet Boys sort of situation or a Sex Pistols sort of like it, it, he, this, this radio he formed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> formed the band because he was so impressed with Gene. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was kind of for Maybe me an like interesting a, point. Maybe like an early uh, America's Got Talent kind of thing. I guess. <laughs> yeah, because I think it was a talent show that he won and that's what got the attention yeah. of the record executives um, um oh, so sorry. yeah so they they didn't they released race with the devil um after that didn't quite chart like it was supposed to they thought it was just gonna blow up but it made it, it wasn't like completely ignored yeah Ooh, i like this yeah, I actually prefer yeah. this to be Babalula. Yeah, this sounds, but again, this is more mainstream rock and roll, right? I think this is already was rock and roll, where Be Babalula still had a lot of country, western influences to it. It's it definitely like a more like low key. This, yeah. this this makes you feel like you want to get in like a drag race with somebody. Yeah. Wear yeah. some leather, put, uh-huh. yeah, white, uh-huh. white tee. Hey, more. Yeah. Sorry. And this song was actually I had to do it at some point. <laughs> it was covered by uh, Stray Cats and Jeff Beck, which I just learned about the Jeff Beck cover while researching for this podcast. And he did a whole rockabilly record. And I'm like, oh, how really? did I not know this? No, I didn't know that either. Didn't uh, Neil Young do one too? 
He did. That was one of those records he put out he to try this. to get out of to yeah. obligate his record contract. Yeah. And so he was just doing stuff that he knew wasn't going to sell because he knew Rockabilly Records weren't going to sell. So he's like, screw you guys. I'm not making anything that's going to make you any money. Yeah. Which And it's a really good record. It's not bad. Yeah. Uh, Neil Young and the Shocking Pinks. That's what, right, yeah. I got it on vinyl. Just saying. Nice. So while this was going on, um, the, the band went through a lot of lineup changes. People were mad. People were... Gene Vincent was not like really that big of a stand-up guy. He um, I mean, the guy was like divorced four times. He's struggling with a lot of addiction. We'll get to more of that later. But so the band members were shifting in and out. Um, is obviously very turbulent time. Um. One of the names that did, because you said like they rotated through a lot of members, one of the original members, because I recognize the name and it's weird for me to recognize a name from so long ago that, you know, like especially that genre of music, that's not something that I particularly listen, particularly listen to, but that was uh, Cliff Gallup. Um, now, this dude has had a reputation for being one of the most technically proficient guitarists in like way early rock and roll. Um, why that name like came to mind to me when I was like, I know that name and I, and, and I can't remember, but yeah, he's, he's, he didn't tour much with them uh, at all, but he was always a, uh, like a um, recording musician. Uh, he always recorded with them, but didn't tour with them at all. Uh, but um, yeah. Well, there he, were a lot of guys like that at the time that were just, that just set in with everybody. Yeah. That still happens now. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it happened a lot when, when you get into like um, Hitsville and like Chess Records and right. you know, Smokey Robinson and all that with the Wall of Sound and uh, Phil Spector. Um, you know, they would always have the same guys that would come in and play on every single record. And those, those songwriters, they would have just constantly on like call, retainer almost. Um, so at this point, Gene Vincent was kind of going back in between like the UK and the U S and he was recording a lot of stuff there. He did like some, um, he did like some film work with Jane Mansfield mm -hmm. where he, you know, he think he recorded, like he did a performance of Bebopalula and one of her films. I think Eddie Cochran was in that film too. And now I can't remember the name. Of the film. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Life so, is he, a highway. so he appeared on, um, one of Jack Good's TV shows. And that's when his look kind of switched. So he came out wearing like black leather, gold medallions, like looking like, like a the rock girl, and roll bad boy. I think it was called the girl can't help it. Yes. Yeah. That, oh. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so that is kind of what his image at that point is what created that bad boy rockabilly look like that, like, slicked back hair and the black leather and like the danger. Like he was more, oh, those guys were like at that time, rockability and, and rock and roll was kind of moving into more of the crooner phase. And Gene Vincent was like still raw and dirty. So he was, you know, he had this stance and this attitude that made people feel intimidated. Like he, he seemed dangerous. Um, so, after that, kind of, it kind of shifted his career. Like, I'm gonna, like, I guarantee you that, like, when they were creating the, con <laughs> the concept of uh, of Henry Winkler's character in Happy Days on oh, Fozzie, yeah. like, they were like, oh, we want him to look like Gene Vincent. Hey, hey. yeah. So, 
Um, so he just kind of continued down this path of like drug addiction, alcoholism and party boy and just rough around the edges. And so he was on tour with Eddie Cochran in the UK whenever Eddie Cochran was killed in that car accident. Um, and that was very traumatic for him because he came back to the U S and he was having a really hard time mentally dealing with that. So he just kept drinking and popping more pills and, he had suffered a lot more physical trauma from the accident too, because he had broken his a couple of ribs and his collarbone and had more damage to the leg that was already injured. So he he was really really struggling at this point. He kind of just went off the rails and there like he had pulled a gun on Gary Glitter, like which Oops. I mean you know he like I think he shot at Gary Glitter like four times and he missed which. <laughs> Probably could have saved the world a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it saved some kids some trouble, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he had he'd pulled guns on, like, pretty much all of his wives. There's, like, a story I saw where um, he had played in the U.K. and his backing band, like, canceled or something didn't show up or couldn't get into the country. So the Beatles... Filled in as his backup band. Holy serious? shit! Are you serious? And they and this was, no, that sounds made up, Amanda. No, it's not. It's not wow. made up. It's That's not awesome, made up. actually. I mean, I, I told y'all that I was going to bring the Beatles back to every episode. Yeah. So here we are. Urban well, legend. I still yeah. have to figure out how to work. Uh, I, I have a way to bring it up uh, next episode. I, I, you said the Beatles and uh, Elvis Costello. I haven't would figured come out how to bring up Elvis right, Costello, right. but you just did it for me. Thank uh, you. There you go. <laughs> so. Um, the Beatles, back, they were, cause they were a huge Eddie Cochran fan. I mean, Gene Vincent and Eddie Cochran and Chuck Berry and all, cause they, they were, that's where they, when they were the quarry men, they were, they had their hair up mm-hmm. in pompadours or in black leather jackets and cuff Levi's and all that. And they were doing covers of all those songs when they were playing at the Starbar in Hamburg. And that's when they ended up filling in to ha- help out Gene Vincent. And Paul McCartney had told the story about, watching Gene Vincent put a gun to his wife's head and having to kind of break up the situation. Holy so he hell. was a yeah, very, very volatile person. Um, but so after, you know, he was kind of going back and forth doing stints in the UK and the U S and he came back to visit his parents. Um, I think it was 71 and he was with his dad and he had this ulcer, which was probably because of all the pills and the booze. Sure, I should stop. Ru- that it ruptured, and he had a, a seizure, and ended up with like having like a heart attack and like. Let's see. I have a whole list of all the stuff that killed him. Hey, might as well go through it. I know. Is he? Oh, I forgot. John Desmore too. He pulled a gun on John Desmore from the the doors. Sorry, sidetrack. Um, squirrel. Um, (laughs) stop it he had a ruptured ulcer ulcer, internal hemorrhaging and heart failure all this that's what he died from and he was at the same time yes but at least his leg was no further damage to his leg but there's at least that (laughs) Uh, really way to be a ray of sunshine (laughs) But in all this, he was 36 years old when this happened. Oh, man. Right. Sounds I mean, like most lived, of the sailors are nude. He, I mean, he outlived Jimi Hendrix and Kurt Cobain and uh, Janis Joplin, all the 27 yeah. clubs. What did they say? 
Live hard, die or whatever it is. Oh, live he was fast, the hard, live hard, die young, leave a remarkable corpse. There you go. Yeah. I mean, he was the epitome of that. Like, I mean, you could say he was probably one of the first punks. Well, I, I would say, agree with that. I, yeah. I would say a lot of the country people, including uh, uh, Cash and 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 uh, Lewis, and I mean, a lot of those early country folk, they were running fucking rampant. I mean, Hank Williams. Yeah, Hank Williams. Uh-huh. I mean, oh, uh-huh. they're all rebels, dude. All of them. Well, and senior. you think about a lot of, yeah, senior. Yeah, let's make, yeah. make that known. Um, How many years that? But it, and a lot of them were also had were veterans, and this was a time period that we didn't care about mental health for veterans. Right. So it was just like, suck it up, Sally. If you if you cry about being in the war, you're just a big old p word. So they would self medicate, and we didn't have coping like, mechanisms. Or right, it, yeah, you just did what you had to do to like get through the day, and. It, I, I wonder what would happen to a lot of those guys if they hadn't. We wouldn't have rock and roll. Well, I think we would, but maybe it'd be different. There wouldn't be. We'd have a lot of Dave Matthews. Oh God! <laughs> it was it was the music born from the pain, right? Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, that that's a that's a powerful. It's got its uh, pros and cons. Then, if, so, if, yeah. you, if you look at most genres, I mean, and you're absolutely right, Ernest. If you look at, uh, uh, you know, a lot of hip hop, a lot of a lot of rap, uh, a lot yeah. of these genres are or punk. Uh, uh, you know, e- even like ska, like we were talking about, mm-hmm. they're born from the trenches, right? The mud, the, the the bottom of the suffering pool, right? Because what else do you have to do? How else yeah. do you cheer yourself up? Yeah, right. I've written poetry from the. From the bottom. Yeah. So, yeah. I understand what they're going through. Yep. So, I mean, we could also say that, like, Gene Vincent might have been the first psychobilly artist. Because he was doing that grittier, darker version of of rockabilly. um, Because he wasn't a pretty boy. He wasn't sugarcoating it he was gritty and growling and so you think about like maybe like the cramps like oh man probably like the way i walk by the cramps that was like and you see lux interiors look like it was all like yeah oh yeah yep yes lux interior was always in black leather he was super Mm -hmm. skinny like gene vincent you know, I regret not going to see these guys. I really do. I should have. I was there. I th- and the cat's cat's cradle. Uh, no, orange peel in Asheville. Oh no! And oh, I, well. I I got to pinch Lux Interior's little tiny butt. Ooh. It's like the size of a peanut. <laughs> like it would have fit in one palm of my hand. It was so tiny. And he like smiled and winked at me. It's like, yeah. But I mean, there's other, like, and you know that he influenced Iggy Pop. Oh, oh yeah. For sure. And Necromantics, Reverend Horton Heat. I just saw Reverend Horton Heat. Great show. I met him, too. It was awesome. I'm a monster next to him. My hand's the size of his face. Yeah, he's he's, not, <laughs> he's kind of a smaller guy. Yeah. Um, And, like, the minute ago, like, horror pops, like, all this stuff came out of Gene Vincent. More Gene Vincent than Elvis. But Elvis influenced Gene Vincent. So it's, I guess, that trickle-down effect. 
Elvis also influenced the Clash. You're right. <laughs> they sorry. totally ripped I'm off sorry. the album cover. Yeah, they did. <laughs> sorry. This song you just strut to. Cramps are always part of my Halloween playlist as well. As they should be. I love that scream. Well, and that scream was a direct... Like, is that the, the, we were talking about Bebopalula. There is that ah, scream in there. That was one of the first times that that was ever recorded was that sound. And I think they wanted to take it out. And they, they were like, no, we got to leave this in here. Um, And so... The last track I, I want to play is um, by the Stray Cats, Gene and Eddie. And it is a song that references a lot of Gene Vincent and Eddie Cochran. And I think we've already heard that one. <laughs> there no. we go. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, no, it's totally All right. different. All right. Sorry. Um, and they reference a lot of different songs from both of those artists. The Summertime Blues is a huge hit for Eddie Cochran. Yes. I love that song. I love Brian Setzer, though. I do, My too. Dear. And, it, yeah, I mean, he was... Like, the Stray Cats had that... And the Blasters had the big rockabilly revival in the mm-hmm. in the 80s. I saw him open for Tom Petty one, one year. Oh, my goodness. What a great show. Yeah. And we were sitting up on the lawn, and they came up and said, hey, here's some free upgrades. You're sitting second row now. I love it when that happens. <laughs> Sweet. Well, and then Brian Setzer also yeah. with the the um, the swing revival in the 90s, right, too. Right, yes. With Brian Setzer Orchestra and, like, Terry Poppin' Daddies and Big Bad Voodoo, voodoo yeah. Bad, Big Bad Voodoo that Daddy. That should be an episode soon. We can make that happen. Yeah. That could kind of like intertwine with third wave ska too. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, it was in that same same time area. Let's, I mean, let's the, streamline the episodes. The 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Are you asking us to be professional? <laughs> no, just that's just a little less wrangling cats, a little more on the topic. All right. Wrangling stray cats. Yeah, that'd be that five five hour episode <laughs> we were talking about. I mean, Stray Cats was probably the band that got me interested in rockabilly. Because I went through a, a hardcore rockabilly phase. Like, I would say that's a fair statement because I don't, I mean, I, the rockabilly is not something that I listen to regularly, but Stray Cats definitely was the first time I understood it as a genre. And then I had to work myself backwards, right? Not as deep as Gene Vincent, obviously, but I mean, that's something newer for me now. Well, I think that's what everybody, you know, like, and we talked about that in the Ska episode that, like, I was listening to third wave Ska, and that's what got me interested in second wave Ska. Right. So the same thing, like, I was listening to, like, 
Stray Cats, and that got me to dive deeper back into the history of the genre and discover stuff like Gene Vincent. It was like one year, like me and my ex-husband, we were really, really, in, like he had like a 57 Chevy, had the Pompadour, I had the Betty Page bangs, we did all that. And um, we were in Party City one year around Halloween, we were just dressed in our normal clothes and some woman came up and thought we were in Halloween costumes. Like, she's like, oh, are you dressed up like Grease? And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, no, this is just how we dress. Did, did you let them know? Let them know? <laughs> Waste all my dad jokes on you. Okay. Save those um, for your kids. So. <laughs> my kids my kids don't even put up with that anymore um so some of the legacy obviously that that gene left because i mean i i think honestly i wasn't particularly familiar until you brought this up like is it break it came up then you were like oh my god like you latched on immediately i love it i mean i i i i was listening to it i was cooking today and i just sort of played um you know we make a playlist for each episode and i just kept on going in that general genre and i was like holy hell this is this, all of this is great like this is and this is what my dad was listening to back in when i was growing up and again my dad didn't even speak english but it's a attitude right it's a lifestyle i think and um it's it's it it, it shaped not only like a pop culture of the time in this country but i think in at least both adjacent countries like at least canada and mexico i would say um i know that um you you know one of, one of the biggest things that were the things that impacted me here when i was reading through some of the stuff is that he was the first inductee in the rockabilly hall of fame in uh you know, when it was created in 97 yeah that's tremendous i mean that's a tremendous honor right I mean, if he was inducted into the Rockabilly Hall of Fame before Elvis right, or Carl Perkins, that just shows like how much yeah. of an influence that he had on all of those musicians. Right. And, um, and then not just when you, you said they, like, you know, all of the Americas, but also in the UK because the influence he had on the Beatles and even Mick Jagger would said that he emulated Gene Vincent's stage presence in his own moves mm. and a lot of like his so i think we we talked about touching on this before but like elvis's leg leg shakes came from his nerves like he was actually really scared to be on stage so he would shake and it became like his signature thing where the gene vincent like his moves came because of the leg brace and right. he couldn't quite do because he was not scared like he was a badass. Well, that's funny because um, you know I know this is complete fabrication and and and, and you know, but you know if, if you if you watch um, Forrest Gump, they kind of take it back to the brace leg uh, issue and the reason you know they they make it seem like Elvis took that movement from Forrest Gump when he was in his braces and had had to shake yeah. it. Yeah. But I mean, you know, ironically, takes it back to that issue with the legs, right? So um, that was kind of interesting, but. Um, Following that, in 1997, uh, he was inducted in 1998. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was fucking badass too. Well right? deserving. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think was it John Fogerty that inducted him? I believe so. Okay. You're right. That's an honor. Okay, <clears throat> sorry. Um, 
What the fuck was that about? I mean, you guys, well, way. we're doing hand signals, right? Yeah. Well, you're right. Sorry, that didn't translate well to audio. <laughs> oh, okay. Video. All right, that's cool. <laughs> so check out our, our YouTube channel later. <laughs> I think it might go to OnlyFans, not mm. YouTube, after what w- just happened. Anyway, so back to the topic at hand. So we have to all agree that Dean Vincent was definitely not a one-hit wonder. His He was a prolific artist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. questionable human. I agree. <laughs> I think... I would still have a very hard time just espousing him from Elvis. If I were to play this to my mother today, right now, he's like, oh, I've never heard this Elvis song. I bet you that's what she would say, right? Regardless. He just I, wasn't as marketable. Right. Because he wasn't as, he wasn't as handsome. That, and he was rougher I, around the edge. Right, that's what I'm saying. That he, he had a lot more issues, right? I mean, Elvis, again, was not like the epitome of like, you know, the yeah, Elvis great had human his being, own, his but own he was not known for pulling guns on random people, especially Just other TV stars. Sets. Right. So, yeah. So, I, I, I like Vincent it. pulled guns on people. Elvis pulled guns on televisions. No, I thought you were Elvis saying- was rich. Gene Vincent was not. Yeah. But Elvis didn't come from rich background. I, know. I, th- I think the key is that I, th- no, I think you Elvis, nailed it. The key, I think what it really boils down to is Elvis was, was really, really good looking. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I think that's <laughs> what killed, you know, because we usually, when I try to listen to these sort of one hit wonders or, or when I kind of delve into them, as like, why? Why did this one hit make it huge and then the rest didn't? And I think in this particular case, it wasn't due to lack of talent or lack of musicianship or lack of. Anything other than, like you said, he was not marketable and his life was fucking rough. And he was hard to work with. Uh, that, right. Yeah. So, I, you know, whenever you're pulling guns out on, your, on the people who are playing in your band in the studio, it, it kind of makes you, people not want to work with you, deal with you. Right. Oh, no, I ain't work with you. Uh, I guess I should, start leaving, I should start leaving my piece at home then, huh? <laughs> All right. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. Are you our Dean Vincent? Yes. Are you going to pull a gun on me? Yes. Okay, cool. No, I already got yelled at this weekend for guns. No, I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so he knows how to use them way better than I do. Yeah, I would, I would trust Ernest more with a gun yeah. than either one of you or myself. All right. Do we have anything else on Gene Vincent? Ah, I think that kind of wraps it up. Well, I'm, I'm glad we did the episode because, again, I, I always love the episodes where I know nothing of. I mean, with Sky, it was great because I knew some and I really do enjoy it. I know we've gone to a lot of live shows recently for Sky, so that cer- certainly enamored me a lot more with the genre, and I'm going to continue to explore it. Um, with Gene Vincent being just an individual, I think I already loved the genre, right? I was already in love with with that music. I mean, it's it's, it's fucking rock and roll. What is there not to like, right? It's, it's 50s rock and roll. But I'm really glad we did it because it sort of puts in perspective the whole, how important marketability is in this industry, no matter how fucking talented you are. So that's my take on it. And being a team player. Yes. And not pulling guns <laughs> on people, especially your wives. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, don't try to threaten, to, don't threaten to kill your wives. Don't pull guns on your wives. No. Yeah. All right. So 
I guess we segue into what are, what we, are we doing? Do, yeah, so. what's our palate cleanser here? What are we doing? Let's uh, start with um, you, Amanda, since you carry the whole episode. Let's not let's not keep. I, I mean, I've still been nursing the same beer, so I don't have anything else in front of me right now. <laughs> no, for your show, what's coming up? Like, oh, what are you going to oh, go see? Oh, anything? Any hey. interesting vinyl you purchased? Anything? Oh, okay. So, well, I did purchase some Mephiscopheles vinyl. What's it called? Mephiscopheles. Hey. <laughs> When we were at their show at the Milestone we this past Friday. And I also picked up a um a uh another vinyl from it was Jenny Whiskey. It's it's called Rude Girl Review. I bought that too. Yeah, so it's Jenny yeah. Whiskey from Hub City Stompers mm-hmm. and um the lead singer from Scotch Bonnets. And I don't know her name. I, I, but she was great. She was great. Actually, yes. she, she was really her. great. And she, I'm, I feel like a I feel like a real jerk right now for not remember her like, name it's fine but she yeah. was very very nice to us and she very this nice. show was fantastic she was going kind of fell in love i'm sorry just a little crush yeah maybe we should we should have her on the show uh, well i've yes they, they they were interested so yeah after, cool after yeah they, uh, they did express interest so that might happen again did we all buy their hot sauce or was it just i, did. I think just the I two did. of you bought I'm their hot sauce that oh my shit's God. on point man it's good <laughs> so this band the scotch bonnets that we went to go see uh <laughs> last weekend uh have make their own the scotch bonnets obviously a type of pepper which is very similar to the habanero if you're into peppers very mm-hmm. very similar i think it's sweeter um than the habanero less perfumey yes i fucking like peppers as much as like beer and music so um theirs was really good um i made um uh, um hannah and i um uh, we had breakfast the following morning we doused the shit out of her breakfast in it and it was hot you probably needed that because if, if you were as hungover as i was i wasn't no i wasn't at all no. i was pretty hungover really i think maybe because i had to get up and go to work i didn't get to sleep yeah, as much as I wanted to. No, I was up. I think we had. Oh, that was Saturday morning. No, yeah, yeah, I got to sleep in. Sorry. I, I mean, <laughs> I, we didn't, but we didn't. I don't recall us drinking excessively or anything. No, no, it was. But I came home and had like. Huh. Yeah, so the following day, I went to the North Carolina Music and Brewers Fest. Oh yeah, and that was super interesting. So to me, um, that is one of the. Um, um, better festivals here in, in, in Charlotte, in the Charlotte area. Um, I can, I'm trying to remember the musicians, but I really was so much into the beer that I don't recall. It was primarily very um, Americana country type stuff. That's which usually is, their MO. Which is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's just, there's so much beer to try that I just wasn't looking at the music at that particular time. And also, Right. It's background music and it was great. And, you know, being formerly having been in the industry and this being particularly a brewers festival, um, there's a lot of socializing for me in those events as opposed to a regular beer festival. They send reps and I don't know anybody. Right. Right. So um, it was great. I got to talk to a lot of my old sort of friends from the industry. Um kind of hadn't seen in a while so that was that was that was awesome uh some great stuff man i had a smoked pecan lager that was amazing Ooh. by cabarrus which yeah cabarrus Cabarus. Wow. Yeah. wow uh that was that was definitely the um the west coast by midnight mulligan was outstanding and there was another one i can't remember what it was uh but that was great the music was great i mean i wish i had paid more attention but i didn't um <laughs> so Story yeah. of my life. Yeah. Um, no, other than the the Scotch bonnets and Mephiscopheles, no other vinyl that I purchased. So yeah. that was it. I went to the uh, Strawberry Festival on Saturday. <laughs> Met some wrestlers. Got kicked out. Woo! 
<laughs> you got kicked out of the strawberry festival? I got kicked wait, out of the strawberry festival. Wait, wait. Yeah, we got to hear that All story. All right, we need this story right now. I told Ernest, but I didn't tell anyone else. Um, apparently, <laughs> apparently, you're not allowed to have dogs, uh, even though there was a shit ton of dogs there. Uh, oh, was, you did tell me this. Yeah, the cop came up. It's like, hey, you know, hate to run you out, but you can't have dogs in there, so. But technically, left, you didn't get kicked out. Blue he, got kicked out. Yeah, he he wandered uh, into the wrong but jurisdiction. I why did. Were, yeah. <laughs> why were other people allowed to have dogs and you weren't? Uh, he wandered into the wrong I'm jurisdiction because of how I was dressed. I don't know. I'm just guessing. He walked up to me like it was nothing. I thought he was going to walk up to me and just say, "Hey, how you doing?" Complete opposite. Anyways, that's Fort Mill's a great town. It is. I met Al Snow, Rock and Roll Express. It was fun. Uh, I'll stop by Repo Records this past weekend. Oh, yeah. Picked up uh, R.L. Burnside Records. Oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah. I saw yeah. that. No, I yeah. just bought it and didn't. Yeah. Now you it probably was... have it. And maybe I'll trade you an Amy Winehouse record. I'm just kidding. Uh, nope. I'm just kidding. No. I'm what, just kidding. I'm about, not trading you for that. <laughs> what, what about you, um, Senor Stevenson? Well, I did nothing this past weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, well, your son was in town. Yeah, my son came home from college, spent the weekend with us, and then he flew out this morning to Houston. He's playing soccer for a USL club in Texas this summer. So, great. Semi-pro. Nice. Awesome. And then upcoming, uh, what I have is the Charlotte Brood Prayer Beer Fest coming up. Uh, Saturday. Oh, yeah. 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 So. Oh, nice. we also have oh, Black Tusk on yeah, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. God, that's tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. Yeah. God, I got to see you fuckers oh, two man. days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming, you know what? Coming too I, often, I might y'all. be at that one. All right. Come do it. Have you, Someone have said you, metal. I was like, oh, did I say okay. Blue Tusk? The fuck is Black Tusk? No, you, Not, you, I think you said Black Tusk. I hope, I hope because Jesus You fuck. said Black Tusk. Yeah, so I got a, I got a double brew day tomorrow, <laughs> and so I'm bringing a change of clothes with me. I'm going to swap out my wardrobe and meet you guys over at, uh, at, at Snuggles. Yes. So I've, we, I've never been there, so I'm... Oh, so it's a great spot. Yeah, yeah we were talking about that earlier. We've never been to Snug Harbor, so... Oh, yeah, it's a very cool spot. That's what I was trying to find. The other band, Howling Giant. I've never heard of them. So oh, oh I, yeah. I looked them up today, too. They're they're good. Really? They have a really cool cover of um, Godzilla. Okay. Oh. Okay. Cool. I'm looking forward to them. Yeah. All right. That's all we have for today. Um... So thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoy some of Gene Vincent's music as much as we have now and become a fan. Uh, follow us everywhere on at uh, Imbibes Podcast everywhere. And our email address is uh, imbivespodcast at gmail.com. Adios. See ya. Bye. A huge shout out to our gracious host, Tommy's Pub. Located at 3124 East Wade Drive, Tommy's Pub is a small neighborhood bar that's big on music and community. Go to Tommy's Pub's Facebook page where they regularly provide updates about upcoming events to include weekly open mic night, karaoke, and live music from some of the best up-and-coming bands in the Queen City. Thank you, Tommy's Pub, for hosting M-Vibes Podcast.